this is the Acolytes of Merlin. We are your hosts, Johnny Andrewski and Jonathan Halpert, and we are back with um, Patrick Rothfuss's Name of the Wind, Book One of the Kingkiller Chronicle. In this episode, we will be discussing some more minor points of the book, including uh, characters, uh, the magic system, and the world building. Johnny, where did you want to start? Uh, we can start with characters, although I'll say the minor caveat of I, I wouldn't necessarily call the well, I wouldn't necessarily call them minor points, but they are. It's the details of the book. There you go. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah as not? opposed to the larger things that Rothfuss is trying to do. But anyways. All right. No. Good. Good correction. Yeah. Um, you had a point about um, Hemi. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. Hemi, hum, which would, Hemi. Hem. Master Hemi. Hem, hem. Hummus. Hummus. Master he, Hummus. Um, hummus. <laughs> yes. The bitter English. He, his grammar. No. Um, the grammar. Well, he, I, I I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. The, the teacher that's really bitter towards Quoth. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, from the very beginning. I think he started it. From, so it's from the very beginning. And that I'm pretty he's sure. just a yeah, because I think, and then it's said several points that people generally don't like him and he. He generally doesn't like other people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even the other masters are kind of. Yeah. Not that thrilled to be sitting next to him most yes. of the time. Um, aside from his. Like, another of the, one of the masters is like his lackey or something. Oh, who always votes with him. Yeah, I forget. I forget which one. But there. Yeah, you're. I'm re- remembering that. Anyway, this is the this is the Snape of the series. Yes, <laughs> although without the awesome character revelations of the. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> um, but you had something specific to say about uh, him, didn't you? Yes. So there's a scene where they're. So they have their first lesson in the class, and Quoth had already known a lot of the different things that Hemi was teaching. So after that class, Quoth goes to Hem and says, hey, is there any, basically, I already knew all of this, is there anything else that I can do to, like, get ahead or whatever? And so Hem goes, oh, well, if you already know all of this, I guess you can teach the next class. Or, does that happen in that the preliminary conversation or is that um that sounds right to me yeah either way whether it happens then or when the class actually the next class starts hem or hemi asks both to teach the class basically to show him hey you don't know as much as you're saying you do and so this is kind of the trope where you have the teacher, the kind of teacher makes an example of the arrogant student uh, in order to kind of make sure that everyone respects him. Well, wait, wait, when did you say that he taught the next class? Uh, he said that he would teach the next class because Hem never told him, hey, why don't you teach the next class tomorrow? He surprised him in the moment. I, I, have, I have surprising news for everyone. This kid knows everything already, so he's going to teach the class instead. Everyone clapped for that, that sort of thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that I was misremembering, but yeah. Um, so that happens, and so like I said, that was that trope. Usually that would be that trope, and the student would make some bumbling mistake, and the teacher would say, I told you so. Well, that doesn't happen here, because Quoth basically uses... Sympathy, which we will get into later, but mm-hmm. he basically uses sympathy to start burning Hem and makes a fool out of Hem and basically, and Quoth is basically able to say, hey, you were wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's kind of a subversion of that trope I was men- had mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And because of the way that Hem does it, uh, Quoth basically has, when the time comes, he has a defense um, for having done what he did, because he's, he, I had permission to do all of this. He told me to do the class. He told me to demonstrate what I knew. So I demonstrated what I knew. Yes, because Hem brings him up on 
quote unquote the horns or however that's usually on trial yes. basically yeah for the masters but uh, yeah I think that I, you're right that is a good uh, subversion for uh, him and it, it works because he's not he's he's not the um, the the Obi Dumbledore no <laughs> of no he's... the series so he do, he doesn't get to have that moment no Quote is not supposed to learn any particularly important lessons from him insofar as the story is concerned. <laughs> right. Uh, um, him is there more like, more, as more of an obstacle in his way. Mm-hmm. And speaking of obstacles... Obstacles in his way. <laughs> um, Ambrose. Yes. Yeah. Um, he is an... Uh, it's... it's he kind of serves uh, several purposes. He is like you know the. It's not uncommon to have just kind of like an an unserious, mm-hmm. or maybe even progressively serious foe within the university where it's it's just they're kind of pranking each other back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does devolve into um, cruel cruelty slash attempted murder. Um, Yes, in this book. That is in this book. Yes. Okay. When the the hired hand, uh, Ambrose oh, has the hired yes. hands. Correct. Correct. Uh-huh. Okay. And even when he um uh, breaks the loot at the end. Right. Right. Okay. Um, yep. Go ahead. And both, yeah, understandably is <laughs> is really pissed. Um, but so there's that. But um, he Rothfuss also weaves it into the whole um class structure of everything, where um the main power that Ambrose has, which he utilizes in really subtle ways of, uh, you know, uh, spreading um, bad news about Kvo to everything who, everyone who could potentially help him, especially mm-hmm. in his music um, yes, endeavors, get, getting, a pa- getting a patron, getting a patron yeah. um, um, really <clears throat> shows the um, powerlessness that Kvo continues to um, experience because of him having nothing to his name um, versus Ambrose who just hands out money like water. But yeah, basically. Yeah, like basically Ambrose is able to use his, his well, not his, his father's wealth and he makes that very clear. His father's wealth and influence to make sure that Quoth has a hell of a time at the end, at the end, anniversary, university. <laughs> <laughs> at the end. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a good extra dimension to the trope of the of the the, the Malfoys. Yes, of, I was gonna go there. Of everything. Although it's the difference with Harry Potter is that at no point in the series does Harry ever have economic problems. <laughs> no, no, yes, yeah, no. That is that is definitely a difference there. Um, and it's it's ref, it's uh, refreshing. I, I didn't mind it. Fired. No, you know, it's, 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 it's not. like that's just an, an obstacle that um, she doesn't have to. Do. But yeah, it's, and, and they, it's something and they, that wasn't necessary. Right, and, and, and you have with Harry Potter with that, you have kind of the Weasleys are more that aspect of the story, or mm-hmm. speak more to those themes in the story. Right. But but, the, but this is everywhere because mm-hmm. it, because it affects the main character. It is everywhere and everything that he does. He says, "Okay, I can." Um, you know, I can afford this uh, because I uh, got a little less on tuition this time, so I can uh, just barely do this. Oh, actually, I'm a little low, but it's okay because I'm working at Kilvin's shop mm-hmm. uh, a few more times this week, and I'm yep. playing at Anchors um, whenever, his, whenever yeah. so I don't have to worry about food. He just thinks about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it can get a little tedious, but... You know, not nearly as tedious as it is for people who actually have to deal with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, there. Yeah. And it's. It is interesting because he. <clears throat> excuse me. I, I feel like. Well, I think Ambrose is more interesting than Malfoy because he's. I well okay. Let me. I'm retracting that. In what, in, in what sense do you mean? I I think. Well, I I enjoy the interactions between. Or I think the interactions between Ambrose and Kvothe and how and all of their subtle 
insults and all of that are their rival so their rivalry yeah is is yes. more it's a subtle and intricate and yes as, as Malfoy's Malfoy's miles more interesting than Ambrose well um, yes now in the way the, that he's right trade yes because uh, yeah because uh, especially <laughs> in in relation to Harry Potter especially once you get to book uh, five like five and uh, five and four five six seven Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. Ambrose and Kvothe are not, they are they they're informed by the again the class divisions and mm-hmm. such. Um, in the ways that um, early on Harry and Malfoy were, you know, the, the Malfoy's proud of, proud of pure blood heritage, whereas Harry doesn't care, and he was raised by Muggles, and that 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 sort of right. thing is really clear. Um, at least not yet. I don't know where the thing with Ambrose is going, um, but at least not yet. They're not. Um, they're not placed in very specific, you know, positions based on the way that the world is going. They're still in this relatively isolated yeah. environment mm-hmm. um, where all of their misdeeds can be judged and controlled by a panel of people with power yeah and you mm-hmm. use it wisely yeah yeah no that's true um yeah it's 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 interesting to look at yeah it's 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 a fun rivalry uh uh now for ron hermione i mean <laughs> um i'm sorry uh will and sim yes <laughs> The friends that uh, Kvothe does not deserve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the other thing I was going to point out about Kvothe, about Kvothe and Ambrose, and this also applies to Will and Sim, is that we're making comparisons to Harry Potter because at this point in the story, they're kind of in, they're both in schools where they're learning things, and there are like similar story elements like the rival and the friends, Kvothe and Harry could not be more different in terms of no. how they go about behaving in general, with the exception of certain parts of angsty Harry in book five. It, it, that's like all. That's like Kvothe every day. <laughs> right. That's right. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so the friends he doesn't deserve. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, he, uh, they are, they're interesting uh, characters. Um, Sim is. Uh, is uh, very joking and uh, just very unassuming type of guy mm-hmm. um, with uh, Will being the uh, the very serious and sober type guy. Um, yes. And mm-hmm. uh, just for, for point of reference, they have um, distinct, especially Will, um, they have they do have distinct nationalities to yes. them as well, and, um, and it's never necessarily central to the central to the story, but it does play out in how they interact in certain contexts. Yeah, sort of. I mean, uh, Will is. I think this is a name. Of, I know that we know that Will is Kaldish, which is which is um, supposed to resemble. Arabs, I think. Some of the nationalities, blood. Hard, more hardcore fans might ream at me for this, but some of the nationalities kind of blend together, and I, I more say that. Oh, oh how dare you! <laughs> I, I more say that because we only see things from Kvothe's perspective, and so at this point in the story, we haven't visited or seen many other um, <clears throat> cultures or nationalities other than those of the common one. But, anyways. Right. Um, but whereas, I mean, Sim is not... The, the main character is not... Uh, sorry. Sim is um, the uh, from the auteur, which... Or mm-hmm. auteur... Or, yeah, or, a tour a and and that's definitely, like, European, yeah. like, yeah. white, white yes. <laughs> people. <laughs> um, whereas um, Kvothe is not, the main character is not that guy. Kvothe is of a very marginalized group of people, um, the, the traveling troupe of the Edema Root. Yes, so it's, 
it's funny because, not funny, but the Edema Rue and you say marginalized, they are, there are certain points in the story where they're very much looked at as the bottom rung Yo, of absolutely. society. Yeah. Like it's, like it's like social, and it's interesting because society looks at them as the bottom rung socially, culturally, economically. They do not look at themselves that way at all. I mean, Kroth takes great pride in being of the Edema Rue. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, it is. It has certainly helped him as well. It's, he has a rich. Uh, his culture is part of his character. Mm-hmm. He he uh, acts. He he does his acting. He has his music, um, and uh, he knows what it is to not to only have like kind of a, an ephemeral place to call home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have just like an absence. Of culture, like you do with many other heroes in this genre, where it just just really doesn't matter because they're from the default culture. Yeah, it's the default or like small farm town, like type of thing. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. but, which is mainly used for you know character development into something grander, yes. mm-hmm. as opposed to very specific cultural traits that may help them uh, characterize. Help them in characterization, yes, um, and character development throughout the yeah. story. Yeah. So, anything else on characters that you want to say that we haven't talked about in either previous name of the one episode or this one? Nope, I think I'm good. Okay, so we'll move on to magic. Oh, I'm excited about this one. Yes. <laughs> so um, Rothfuss very much wanted to have his cake and eat it too. With this. Why don't you explain <laughs> what you mean, Johnny? So, there are two, I'll say two main magic, I'll use the word systems of magic, but it's not that cut and dry. You have, so you have sympathy, which is kind of his quote-unquote hard magic. For, for those who don't know what that specific term is, basically there are specific rules that you have that you have to fo- that have to be followed when characters are using this particular type of magic. For the opposite end of that spectrum, look to Lord of the Rings, which doesn't have any defined parameters yes. to the magic that's used in there. Correct, and, and yes, yes, and so sympathy is kind of more that harder magic, and we can get into the details a little bit in a minute. It's extremely detailed and scientific yes it's 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 barely not magic really it's Mm -hmm. it's it's the it is science that is maybe not possible in this world in this dimension but in the way that it is understood and crafted it is extremely scientific yes because it's so do do we want to do the details of sympathy now or and then go into naming, or... Yeah, yeah, details of okay. sympathy now. So, gonna... yeah, basically, for sympathy, you need... The per, the sympathist needs to, what they say, lower themselves into their heart of stone. Is that necessary to, to do sympathy? Uh, they don't... Or to, and to focus um, their alar, which is basically their will. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say it is... They don't always... Yeah, I would say it is. Um, but basically, you need to... Basically, you need to focus really hard and really believe that something's going to happen. So, for example, I'm going to make a... Focus my alarm and make a connection between these this stone and this... Between this penny and this penny. Mm-hmm. And... These I believe that these, for all intents and purposes, these pennies are the same penny. So when I lift one penny, the other, since I believe the other penny is one and the same with the one I'm holding, it also lifts mm-hmm. up into the air. Which makes will essentially akin to natural law. And that is intriguing. Well, if you can, re- you can make it so that. Um, things obey your your will, which is kind of 
seem is in this world is kind of like an accident of natural law yeah, is yeah. will um, just kind of as a result of our brains which developed etc cetera, etc cetera. right um, but here it seems that we are sympathists tap into something that is already existent in things yes yeah no, so, no, I agree mm-hmm. and so it's that that's that's what causes them to be able to do what they do yes and yeah and kind of even more to the scientific element, it's basically, it's basically, sympathy is basically energy transfer when it comes down to it. Yes, and they make that of, very clear, and, and that has very specific rules as it does in this world. Yes, and, and that's kind of what you were saying about how like in this, in our world or dimension or whatever, it's not possible. We have products or mechanisms that can base that can pro- do basically s- the same thing or similar things as sympathy it's just science <laughs> that's right yeah. yeah yeah energy cannot be created it's destroyed or destroyed right. is in the book yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so that's so. in a nutshell sympathy mm-hmm. but uh what or, so the the heart of the stone though um that is the um the the would you call it a trance? I yeah, I, you could a. say it, you could say a trance. Basically, you basically you're you are isolating yourself from all of your surroundings, so to speak, mm-hmm. and you are and um, so that you are not influenced by like outside forces or whatnot. Which, yes, I really like that. That has some parallels in um, other things, too. If ever anyone has uh, read Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, um, the void that a character can um, uh, bring upon themselves, which isn't necessarily magical. I don't think it is just a state of mind that you can use to shoot a bow mm-hmm. um, and really focus on your target. Um, so this does have... Um, some other it, it crops up in other pieces as yes well. so there's if anybody this is if anybody has ever read the chronicles of the unhewn throne by brian stevely this is basically the same concept as the vanyate although i would say the vanyate is a much more extreme version of this it's that similar kind of ability or trance as you said of isolating yourself and focusing to be able to accomplish like something that you might not otherwise be able to do mm-hmm. and that and uh, kind of going in with the um very grounded scientific um properties of sympathy this is something that does have basis in the real mm-hmm. world you can do very extraordinary things um with meditation yes mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that um so that kind of helps characterize this whole sentence yes mm-hmm. now on the flip side of that <laughs> yes this is is this the having the cake or eating it which one is it uh rothfuss would probably give us some confusing response that is both <laughs> <laughs> naming uh, yes um it is the wondrous you know, I, aspect I, of the magic. I, I would say this is eating the cake, but <laughs> <laughs> anyways. That's right. Um, it is the um, much more unknown, at least as we are as we are as readers and reading with um, Kvothe's younger self in Name of the Wind, it is the more um, unknown part of the magic system that doesn't have as clear ru- rules and you can't understand with um, um, vigorous logical thinking. Right. It is specifically in the realm of um, what they call the sleeping mind. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, you have to do something other than uh, thinking in the way that we think of thinking yes. <laughs> in order to control it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. And there are two. Well, this, so Quoth 
uses this once in this book. Yes. So when the scene of the end, when basically... And we have a Benthi use it too. Yes, and near a Benthi, the beginning yes. of the book. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I forget if... Yes, Alodin, does Alodin uses it, and doesn't he use it to break the stone in his... He might. Apartment? I know that there's that scene... Right, and the... Um, what, there's the is there a prison? Yeah, there's a prison, I right? I forget it. It's where... It's basically a mental institution in within the university. Was but, he stuck in there, yes. Elodin? Okay, yeah. So, I guess we can start with this. So, Elodin, who is... They, they referred to him as Master Namer. And so, he is the m- master at the university who is the most... Who is in charge of teaching of teaching this magic, as we'll call it, naming. Mm-hmm. And so he was, he basically at some point went insane, however you're going to define that. Right. And they, they, never, they don't really they did specify. Th- they did things, they, he did things they didn't understand and didn't like. Right. Um, and so he was put into this, mental, basically mental institution. And so at one point in the story, he takes Kvothe there as part of a lesson, basically, one of his lessons, I forget the exact point of that one, but basically they're in his old room, and he literally says to the wall, I think he just says break. Is that, well, that's... Oh, that's, yeah, that does sound familiar. That's what he says on the page. But, like... He presumably calls the name of, like, stone or whatever the wall was made up of. Mm-hmm. And so he basically is able to command the wall to do whatever he wants it to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so there's that. Then there's when Abenthi calls the name of the wind to save Kvothe from having done this stupid thing of basically removing the air from his lungs permanently. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then when Kvothe calls the name of the wind himself, when Ambrose breaks his lute. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's... It, it's... So, and this is the... It, it's interesting because this would be the, as we said, the quote I would... We would term it the soft magic because there are not as many rules. The ones we don't understand. Or, yeah, yeah rules that we don't really understand. It, it's, it's interesting because this is your Gandalf magic from Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, where he can kind of, we don't know how much, to what extent he can use the magic, Gandalf in this case. Now in Lord of the Rings, it's fine, and I would say this about this type of magic in general, you can have this in a story and it can always work, as long as, as long as the plot and the problems of, where the character's problems are not resolved, because hey, they can use magic now. Yes. Yes, very good. But for for example, the the people who um, we understand um, need to be taking action in Lord of the Rings can't do this magic. Mm-hmm. They they we don't look at uh, Aragorn or Frodo and say, wait, you can you can just escape these people in a second. Why don't you? It's no. just Gandalf um, I... that um, sometimes we're like, oh, you are. You have all you have all this power, um, but uh, you either are up against a stronger wizard like Sauron, yes. and so you're outmatched for that reason, or, or you're equal in the Balrog, or you're equal with the Balrog, or you can win, but you ch- don't because it's not your place to win. Yes, because well, they're not the they're they're not the heroes of the story. Right, they're supposed to be right, and without getting into a whole discussion about the purpose of the wizard of the order of the wizards in middle earth <laughs> right That's, no, no the, but, point, yes. the, the point is is that is is it's an extremely um important um storytelling tool not just not soft magic not hard magic but both of them together mm-hmm. if anyone has ever and spoilers ahead for this if anyone has ever read the magicians by Lev Grossman, they have the a similar school setting to this in Break Bills, 
And then they have the more Narnia-like world of Fillory, which is heretofore, during break bills, unknown to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so there is, even though you have a um, story that's filled with magic and through the um, whole uh, setting of academia is kind of sucked of its wonder in some sense, mm -hmm. you have this extra element that is um, not as well known. And so you have this frontier of wonder that keeps expanding. And without going into any more detail, Magicians does keep doing this throughout the series and it's part of what makes it so powerful. Even Harry Potter has elements of the magic that is beyond what they teach at Hogwarts that they um, discover in later parts of the series. Yes. Um, with wands mm. especially. Yes. And the naming in this book does the same thing here. Yes. Although it's interesting because technically, well, yeah, it's, yes. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, mechanic or mechanism. Yeah. So that magic, the, this magic system is pretty, um, it's, it's interesting in the right ways if you want to dabble in that. Um, if you want to see characters um, creatively come up with solutions with magic that is fully understood, then you can get a glimpse of that. Yes. Or you, sympathy, yes. That's right. Mm. Or with the naming, you can get your wonder. And so, yes. and, and therefore you have your cake and eat it too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So another big thing, well, another thing that Rothis does is he, I would there is a lot of world building in this book. Mm -hmm. It's now the key aspect, the key asterisk to that is the world that we see in this story is only what Quoth sees. Yeah. Or a little bit at the beginning with Chronicler, but that's really just him. It's just him getting attacked by bandits on a random road. Right. But anyways, so there is, the war, the the world I would say in of Tamarant, I will, or the four corners of civilization, right, is pretty fully realized, in insofar as how Rothfuss describes it. Through the details, yes. yes, we don't we don't get like a big, much of a big picture sense of it. Like, for example, at the beginning of Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings movies, we get a whole picture of the of the the history of it um, and everything. Yes. And even though people just generally don't pay attention to that, it, it's still accepted as the history of the as far as I know. Yeah, I the history of the world. Yeah, people think... don't say, "Oh, that's just fairy stories." No, no, it's no. <coughs> yeah, it's whereas here. You have this one um, storyteller within Kvothe's story telling this um, tale of the of the past, and these great namers doing battle, and this, these great warriors and such. Um, Are you talking about with Scarpy? Scarpy, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah him telling the story of oh, uh, Celatos and Lanre. And, uh... Well, Mir, Mir Terranel is, like, the city. Right, yeah. But, yes. Minas Tirith, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, the Shining City. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh... uh actually, I forgot my point. <laughs> no, you're fine. But that, uh, that was good enough, probably. Yeah, so I... And it's, it's interesting, because there are... Going back to the details, so... I'm... Uh, I apologize for people that haven't read Lord of the Rings and we're making all these Lord of the Rings references. With Tolkien's writing, you, with his detail, you get a sense that you can visualize exactly what's like what's happening in the world, or like exactly what a particular road or inn or bar looks like. That's the sense that I get from certain parts of this story. So, for example, there's kind of. I was reading a chapter, and it was a ran it's a random scene where Quoth, Will, and Sim are just talking, and 
the setting hadn't really been set, like he had, Rothfuss didn't, or Kroth hadn't really told us where they were yet, but just based on how they were talking and what they were talking about, I gathered, oh, they're, at a, they're either at the Aeolian or, like, Anchors, and a paragraph later, it's like, oh, yeah, well, they're at the, old, the Aeolian, because he's about, he's about, because Kroth's gonna, either they're drinking or he's gonna go play his lute or something, but... I could, I was able to kind of guess at where they were just based off of the details of how they were talking and kind of those details, which I think is really, at least as far as the details are concerned, a really good world building, a really good example of world building. Yeah, yeah, I did, I didn't get the same sense, um, but not in a contradictory right, way. Right. I just. I, I probably read through it too fast. <laughs> well, and admittedly, I've been looking for a lot of those types of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this guy's reading it the second time. Yeah, yeah, is, this is... Which it does make for a different experience. Yes. I, I'm actually enjoying it. I'm getting a lot more out of it this time than when I first read it. But I think that's more because I'm older than it's because it's my second time reading it. But anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, so... So we're, we spend most of our time in the university, um, and it is, uh, it, it's, I don't know, it, it has some interesting dimensions yes. um, that can be, that uh, obviously because of the magic is not quite a parallel to, to um, Hogwarts or, Hogwarts or, break, or, or, bells, or yeah. break Bells or any real world university um but i couldn't help but notice the um that they don't go a heck of a lot into it but you have this uh, the town called imre on the other side of the river yes. from the university and there's some commerce that happens between them and then there's also some mistrust of imre that know that some shady weird stuff goes right. down at the university that they totally don't understand. Right. E e even though for the university <laughs> people, it's like, oh, we're just doing science stuff. We're mixing chemicals or we're welding like complex like, not machines, but complex mechanisms or whatever. They're like, oh, they're doing magic witchcraft things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, uh, some, some of the not-so-bright people might think that but even the people who are bright are like uh -huh, sure yeah sure you are <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure that's all you're doing yeah. yep yeah of course um i got a sense of um uh a comparison to oxford okay um, in england um which had a because a oxford university is a really old university mm. but oxford's also a town right and there was a admittedly much more uh gory <laughs> okay and uh maybe, maybe that's a little strong but it is a very a lot of animosity mm -hmm. between the town and the gown oh people okay. <laughs> in um in oxford because you know the people in the university they wore gowns right. um, and traditionally um so that that um seemed to resonate with a something in the real world that is a lot more Yes, there's that, yeah, a more real-world parallel to the university. Right, and that helped the world seem sharper yeah, to no, me. I, I would agree. I've never been to Oxford, but I, I agree with kind of that comparison. That's right. Based off of what you've said. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think. So one other, one thing that Rothfuss kind of focuses on a lot is his is the economic system of mm -hmm. his world, which we've gone into already um, with uh, with Kvothe's experience as someone low on the ladder. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, yes, and it's. I think it was either Roth. I think it was either Rothfuss or it might have been Brandon Sanderson that was saying this, but they were saying that for a lot of fantasy writers, they each author kind of has their thing that they kind of 
you can tell in the world that's their kind of passion or thing that they've kind of focused on just when they're generally thinking. And he, I, I actually think it was Sanderson, but either way, Rothfuss is, as far as the kind of nitty-gritty details go, is the money in the economic system. Uh, and he's kind of said, you can figure out exactly how much money, some like how much each, how much money is worth and all of that. And you could calculate the different exchange rates between the different countries. I haven't done so. And I, I think you, you kind of have to really read into some of that in order to get those details, but it's there and it's interesting how, um, but the, why that kind of works is kind of what John, like what John was saying is that how it affects quote the main character. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why we know it in such detail. Um, and we figure that out organically, whereas in Harry Potter, where the, the main character doesn't have to worry about that Mm -hmm. so much, but, um, the author takes a specific effort, makes a specific effort Mm -hmm. to say, this is how much this is worth. This is uh, this makes this. This makes this sickles yes. and whatnot. Um, whereas here, I think I finally know that ten jots make a talent. Talent, yeah. And then the I forget how many pennies equals a jot, but either yeah. way. Um. Uh, so one of oh, God. Oh no! I just um. No, what were you saying? Oh, yeah, the, so, I was going to go on, so the, one thing that's interesting about this series, or this book, I'll, we'll say this book, is the villains. So the, pri- who don't have a heck of a lot of presence in the traditional sense. They're not movers and shakers of the plot at all. No, so the, Ch- so the Chandrian are... Quoth's main villains or antagonists, at least, or at least they prov- and they provide for him. Yeah, I, I guess I would say his. I guess I would say they're his primary. They're his primary motivation is that Quoth mm-hmm. wants to destroy the Chandrian mm-hmm. because they destroyed his family and friends and his like childhood. Basically, and not only that, there's also a desperation to him because he's like, if I don't focus on these guys and try to remove them or at least find them, they're going to disappear like they always do because they always seem to try to disappear. Yes. And and make it so that no one uh, knows who they really are and think that they're just fairy tales. That's what they w- clearly want for some reason. Yes. And to, to a certain degree, they're, they are currently succeeding because... Whenever, because Quoth makes a certain effort to make, to be very discreet about how he's handling his research on the Chandrian, because many people do, do laugh at him for this, and, or he thinks that they will, if they find out that his, like, deepest desire is to find and destroy the Chandrian, they'll probably, as I said before, they'll probably just laugh at him and say, oh, they're not real. They're just stories that we tell kids, like, to make sure they behave or something like that. That's right. When he's like, no, or Kvothe is like, no, I saw them. They ruined my life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so that, so that the kind of the effect of that is that they don't have, um, there is no, uh, you know who aspects um with these villains um they they, they're not held in any sort of reverence at all because they didn't they are not viewed to have impacted many people's lives um no even though they probably have oh i'm i'm sure they have Um, they don't tend to leave little kids alive (laughs) like they did this time with kvothe yes and kind of again that because uh, at least the few in- instances that we see, like you said, are the Chandrian is trying to make sure that people still think of them as those fairy tales. Because, for example, when you go up to Trayvon, they killed everybody at the wedding over it was, it was the vase, right, or the um, 
Right, yeah, yeah. whatever they call it, but yeah, yeah, whatever the urn. urn, yeah, so that was that had a clue <laughs> about there was some depiction of the Chandrian, and the Chandrian was presumably thinking, well, we can't have this. Right, they, they there were people who saw their picture on a piece of old pottery, yes. and then you have close very parents who were singing a song about them, and they died for it. This is how insane these people are about staying hidden. Yes. And that's yes. one of the um, most compelling mysteries of this story yes. is why they're this crazy about doing this. Now, they, the one big hint we get at this is in the beginning when the scene where his parents die, Haliax, who is their leader, Says to I think it's Cinder, who's the person I think who right. actually yes. kills. Yes, that's all right. His his lieutenant or whatever. And so he basically says like to Haliax says to who, which I think is a really cool name. <laughs> uh, says to Cinder, who's another member of the Chandrian. Well, like because Cinder's talking back to Haliax, whatever. Haliax says, "Well, who do you think keeps you safe from the Emir? Who are this order of knights who become another?" Fascinating, another a large aspect of Crowley's research, right? Uh, who, who are understood? Well, they, they're a they're either a religious order or a political order who are understood to be like the the epitome of good. Like they're good. They're supposed to be the good guys. Yes, yes, and who is who now are almost basically fairy stories themselves kind yes. of yes though they are more accepted to be okay they clearly existed they yes. are in the pages of history yes like they were at one point like a th they were like basically these walking justices like who were jur judge jury and executioner like at one point or whatever like as you said documented as opposed to the chandrian who are well they don't really exist but like you're you're, you're calling this research you're, this is really just you looking this these myths up for fun, right? Um, um, one, so one thing we didn't really touch on a whole lot, and we're not going to spend too much time on is music. So Rothfuss, or I should say Quoth, spends a lot of time thinking about, talking about, and doing musical things, and. We were kind of trying to figure out what exactly is Roth is trying to do with music. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I don't either. It, it seems, I think it's more just a very integral part of how Quoth, of Quoth's character and both how he copes with the world, how he earns a living, right. and... His connection to his past, too. Yes, his connection to his past, um... Uh, although it comes up, well, because Denna kind of has her music thing going on too. She is adept. Like she, she has a natural um, ability. Ability, or yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Was that your point? Kind of, yeah. Well, just that it's an aspect of her character that she is wants to use music as a means for supporting mm -hmm. herself eventually and whatnot. Yeah, and and they get more into that um, in uh, Wise Man's Fear, so we'll, yeah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk table about that, that but... later. Um, so, not not quite sure. Um, it, it, it's, it was interesting to see how uh, Rothfuss described him to not only be like, he's not an ordinary musician, really, um, I don't think, like for for I'm, I'm thinking specifically about the scene after um, he uh, after his parents die and he's wandering in the forest. Mm, yeah. um, the scene that you're mm -hmm. not such a fan of, or the series oh, of scenes well, that you're not such a fan I, of. Uh, um, not as it was better this time around. Okay, um, where he gets so good at making music that he. Um, is able to replicate the experiences of things in nature in exactitude. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I wonder, is he that good now at the university? 
Because I want to say that he's not. I want to say that he kind of lost that um, as he filled his life again with different things. I think... I think he's not at that pure place anymore where he can do that. I would in general partially agree, but I would point to the scene where he earns his pipes, which are the... So in the, in the at the Eolian, which is this famous basically bar where a lot of famous musicians play in the town of Imray, when you earn your pipes, you are basically looked at as a quote unquote certified musician for all intents and purposes. Right. Um, in that scene, in fact, that's the scene that I most often think of in terms of music and the story. That's that's both spotlight moment. Where he truly shows everybody, hey, I'm here. Now, it's also the scene where Denner returns, but that's in the discussion of music. That's not really... Yeah, but he he's really good there. And he shows his his skill in the traditional sense. Yes. But it, I just don't think he's as transcendent as he is in the forest, where he seems to reach beyond the... Um, just the the general sense of musical skill. He he taps into what makes the world go around. I, I think that's fair. Yeah, because that would be a more like raw place. He was in a much more raw place, like physically and emotionally, at that point. He, that's where he really hits legend status as a musician, as opposed to. This guy's really, really good. Yeah, you know? I, I think that's fair. Although the only, and Quoth might almost say, no one was there to appreciate his music at that time. Right, and which, so, which, for, which means that it could be the storytelling of the of, of the adult Quoth that is making that seem as it is. Right. Like he could be um, just saying, hey, this is trying to express how he felt at the time. In order to, um, and through the music being mm -hmm. that way, you know. No, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, so, and then so sorry, but like at speaking of that too, um, I think that taps into a larger um, uh, sense of. Things not being quite as they seem. Yes. That is uh, throughout the book. Yes. Um, so kind of before we go a little bit into this. So there are two. For each kind of. For each book that we read on this podcast. There are kind of two things that we would like to do. We want to give. We want to. Kind of. Provide or interpret some sort of quote-unquote real-world application or some sort of lesson or uh, something that you can kind of that can be applied to like our own lives outside of these fantasy worlds uh, so we want to do that and then we also want to say uh, go say which under what conditions do we recommend this book or do we not recommend it at all? Or should everybody read this book? That type of thing. Okay. Well, I, I I think that that would actually those are actually the same thing. Like we can kind of tie those together. Yep. Like, yep. Um, though the first thing that you say I think of is is uh, wealth inequality. Yes. So insofar as applying things to the real world, we'll say yeah. mm -hmm. you have just drastically different experiences of people um, who have means and who don't have means. Mm -hmm. And if you're um, in one category, you really don't get what it is to be in the other other person's shoes. You do not. Yes. <laughs> because we're like, because uh, someone who might be reading this, uh, I, uh, and I may or may not be one of these people, are saying like, oh my God, can we stop talking about money for just one second? And then Kvothe, if he was real, would say something like, no, I can't talk. stop talking about money for just one second because I have to think about it all of the time. Yes. And I would 
recommend that we all think about what when people might be having to say something like that <laughs> yes. for different reasons. Yes. So kind of yeah. So kind of helping pe people to see how their economic situation could be different than someone else's. Right. Yeah. And how that shapes everything that they do. Yeah. 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 Like, especially in this book with Kvothe, like, whether he, does he want to work in Kelvin's office, or office, the, uh, fishery? Maybe, for certain things, but, like, ultimately, probably not. He doesn't want to spend, and he makes this clear, he doesn't want to spend eight hours making lamps mm -hmm, that's a right. day, like, but he has to because he needs to eat. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then, then there's like the, what I would, would call the, uh, the, the, the fake news angle. <laughs> yes. So the second kind of, um, the second kind of application aspect. Uh, so Kvothe might be, um, exaggerating his, um, the way that he attunes into nature, no pun intended, attunes into nature <laughs> with his music. Um, uh, and then he may be doing that for anything else in his part of the story that he's telling. Mm -hmm. um, as far as, I don't know, how how Denna acts and how, how beautiful Denna looks in any given moment. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, stuff with the uh, other stuff that hits him emotionally, especially hard, like the, the way that the the scene looks when his parents die, mm -hmm. um, or any other number of things. Yes. No, it's, yeah, so kind of, and the application of that is kind of when you're, when we're looking at a story, and <clears throat> if it's supposed to be, at least it's, if it's supposed to be more of a true story, really looking into that and saying, okay, well, like, where is this like story coming from? Like, is is the storyteller or news source biased one way or another? And what like is that is that kind of shaping how I'm thinking of a particular issue? Uh, and do, is that okay? Do I need to change that? Or like, have I kind of have I determined have I determined for myself? mostly independent of these the kind of influences of a storyteller news source uh the truth of a particular story or news item because if you're reading a story you're reading an article which is a version of a story as far as i'm concerned mm -hmm. um you're never looking at what happened yeah you didn't <laughs> see what happened no <laughs> you're reading someone telling you about what happened so it's always someone interp someone's interpretation of the thing. It just kind of depends on how how unclouded they try to make that interpretation. Yep, yep. No, I agree with that. So kind of the last thing we'll talk about, at least for this book, for The Name of the Wind, do we recommend this book? Or kind of under what conditions do we recommend the book? So... Oh God! I would I would recommend the book um, if you are um, interested in doing something other than kind of settling into the um, familiar, comfortable story structure, um, or if you're not particularly uh, concerned about uh, reading something with a uh, continuously engaging plot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Then, which is not to deride it in any way, um, but if you are more looking for um, some great character exploration and um, looking to uh, looking for something different than the structure of every everything that you you read in fantasy otherwise, um, and are looking for some really excellent prose, then this I would I would check this book out. Yeah, I, I would generally agree with that. I mean, I, I think it's a great book. I, 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 I also, I do think it's, it's not for everyone. There are a lot of people, if, or, or reframe that, if you are somebody that does, 
if, if you do not enjoy language to a certain, at least to a certain extent, and if you are looking for a more traditional or if you're looking for more of a plot-based book, this might not be the type of book you're looking for. That being said, I think that what's there as far as the plot and everything is is really cool, and there's a lot of great things that Rothfuss does. Um, and again, I would personally recommend this book to... It, Especially if, if you're somebody that likes fantasy in general, I would recommend this book. If you've read a lot of fantasy because of... Yeah, if you've read a good deal of fantasy. Right. If you haven't... You, um, could, you could almost recommend it if you haven't. In the, in the, because there, there are parts of the book where it doesn't really seem like it's much of... Where the fantasy yes, is down. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's the other end of it. So you, so it, you, you could read this... You could somebody that does not really read a lot of fantasy might really enjoy this book because there, to a certain extent, the fantasy, the fantasy magic type aspects are in general, are, are downplayed in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you want, and, and uh, kind of like um, George R. R. Martin's uh, yes. Song of Ice and Fire, yes. just uh, deal, is is the magic takes a. Uh, well, more in that series, it takes more of a backseat. But here, it just even where the magic is present, it is it is extremely grounded, and that can be a breath of fresh air to um, someone who wants to lo look into the fantasy genre but doesn't want to get overwhelmed with just it being totally foreign. Or away or, foreign, yeah. yes, mm. that's a good word. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so, whatever it's worth, yeah. So, alright, so this has been part two of our discussion of The Name of the Wind. Uh, we will be continuing um, the King Killer Chronicle uh, with, uh, with uh, episodes based off of, or in which we will discuss The Wise Man's Fear. So look out for those. Uh, we're your hosts, Jonathan Halper. And Johnny Andrewski. And we'll catch you later. Yep, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.